One of our primary mandates here at the Yeah Podcast, the principle we always work from, is to amplify marginalized voices. Right now, in Canada, where we live, and in the US, Australia, and Europe, where many of our listeners live, the voices that need to be amplified are Black voices. So it didn't feel right to go ahead with our planned episode on a book written by a problematic and obscenely wealthy white woman. We're interrupting our regularly scheduled programming to talk a little bit more about white supremacy in the world of YA literature. The past week's protests calling for justice for the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Regis Korczynski Paquette, and the millions of other black lives taken by police violence bring to light again how deep-rooted white supremacy is in colonialist nations like ours. Publishing, and young adult publishing in particular, is as affected by white supremacy as any other facet of our culture. Racism and publishing in particular bubbled up to the surface when Don Frederick, the owner of Red Sofa Literary, bragged on Twitter about calling the cops on peaceful protesters. In response, agents, authors, and other members of the literary community have been sharing their experiences with systemic racism and bigotry, both within Red Sofa and the literary world at large. When we talk about amplifying diverse voices in young adult literature, people often talk as though diversity was born in young adult literature when Angie Thomas wrote The Hate You Give, as though the monopoly of the white girl story has been somehow a passive fact until then, rather than an act of suppression. Literary circles talk about books as though they absolve anyone in contact with them of any wrongdoing, as though stories are immune to racism. But we know that isn't true. And we know that in publishing, black voices have been actively, intentionally silenced to serve the white supremacist stereotype that black children do not read. Andy Puth Gray, a former young adult and middle grade editor, gave us permission to share his story, which he posted on Twitter. I'm going to read the story in his own words. You can find these tweets on his Twitter page at CupcakeAndy. Since we're all being honest about past experiences with racism slash bigotry in publishing, and since I've got time today, let's talk about one of the reasons that people of color, even when they are editors, sometimes hesitate to bring forward diverse books. Besides the stereotyping that happens when you're a marginalized person trying to support a marginalized work, and besides the additional scrutiny that people put you through for anything by a person of color, the editorial suggestions from non-editors are something. An additional consideration is when executives decide to make blatantly insensitive or downright racist comments in reference to books that center people who look like you. Quick example, when I, this is Andy Puthgray speaking, was trying to acquire The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, it obviously had wildly positive feedback during the acquisition meeting. Heads of departments actually cried while speaking about the book. People called in remotely to give support. In the end, however, I was barred from being able to participate competitively in the auction, not because the acquisition board had concerns, or because there were editorial questions I couldn't answer, or anything that might normally come up when going to auction. Instead, the point of quote-unquote concern from one executive was that black people don't read, and that YA readership is mostly white girls, and they won't read a book about a black girl. I wish I could say that when I heard about this, I was surprised by the sentiment, but I wasn't. I was surprised that someone would just say it out loud. Racism abounds in all acquisition meetings, to be quite honest, but people are usually a bit more subtle about it. 
This comment came not from somebody I reported to or even interacted with often, but from someone who could have a lot of influence in the type of books that the imprint, the division, could publish. So not only was I, this is Andy speaking, unable to even attempt to acquire one of the most influential YA novels, I was also made extremely aware of what the executive thinks about people who look like me. The point of this story isn't to call out the person who said it, though they're obviously trash for having that opinion, but to add to the conversation surrounding the types of changes that need to happen within publishing to make things more equitable for people of color. Bonus tweet. There was also a comment along the lines of, but we already have another black author, but we can talk about that mess another time. First of all, I want to thank Andy Puthgray for sharing his story and for allowing us to share it with you here again. Um, You can follow Andy on Twitter at CupcakeAndy. We will put his Twitter handle in our show notes. YA publishing has operated for decades on the assumption that black girls do not read and white girls are not interested in hearing black girls' stories. In the two years that I have hosted this show, the authors, editors, librarians, listeners, and readers we have encountered have made it very clear that that is not true. The overwhelming success of The Hate You Give made it very clear that that is not true. The subsequent successes of books like Dear Martin by Nick Stone, Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, Pride by Ibi Zaboy, and so many more have made it clear that this is not true. But it is true that the YA publishing world has made that assumption a cornerstone of the industry, and that that cornerstone creates a very unstable foundation for black voices within the industry. Just a few months ago, Lauren Miracle, while moderating a panel of of authors of color, co-opted their platform to talk about the importance of writing for white boys, implying that a focus on black voices stole focus from her own children. YA is still a world where white people think we deserve the biggest platform. Even with the increasing number of YA books by black authors, the books that tend to trend the highest are books about police brutality, which white readers will read to prove that we're good allies and then leave behind. YA is not truly diverse until we amplify every facet of black experience within the genre. So we encourage our non-black listeners, read The Hate You Give, but also read On the Come Up, read Dear Martin, and read Odd One Out or Jackpot. Read The Bells by Danielle Clayton. Read I Want to Be Where You Are by Christina Forrest. Read stories of love and family and friendship and coming of age. Buy these books. Buy them from independent, black-owned retailers. Request them at your libraries. Make it an undeniable fact to the publishers who only think in dollar signs that these are books we want. These are stories we demand. These are voices we want to hear and hear again and here again. So with that in mind, we are creating a list of YA books by Black authors, which we will make available in our show notes, and which we will add to every time we learn of a new one. Please feel free to recommend books to add. A list like this is never going to be finished. There are always new books coming out, and we would like to make it as exhaustive as we possibly can, but we're always going to miss things. We are also including lists of Black-owned booksellers in both Canada and the U.S. in our show notes, as well as anti-racism resources for our non-Black listeners to engage with. So Bailey's going to join me now, and we're going to take some time for a conversation about a few of our favorite books by Black authors that we've read in the past year. In the meantime, 
Please continue to sign petitions, donate to bail funds and community organizations, write to your representatives, protest if you're protesting, and do everything you can to make sure we abolish the police and make our communities safe for everyone. Thank you. So we're going to have a little conversation about um, some of the books by Black authors that we've liked the most. Mine are all ones we've reviewed on the show. I don't know if yours are. Mine, I have three that I want to talk about that we've reviewed on the show, and then I have one that I'm actually currently reading that I'm going to do a little blurb for, cool. um, but that I have not finished. Cool. You want to kick it off for us? So my first pick of one of the ones that I've absolutely loved that I think everybody should read is Full Disclosure by Cameron Garrett. Uh, and so Full Disclosure is the story of a teen who is... Um, living with HIV um, and so it's it's a really great story that's about it's about a lot about the dealing with sort of the prejudices and misconceptions that come with being HIV positive and sort of the the things that that someone who is HIV positive faces and it's also a story about being 16 and having your first big crush and it's about being a theater kid. Uh, we talked a bit in the episode, and this is one of the things that I love about the book, is it's a book about um, somebody who's really into the performing arts, but from like the production side, which is something you never see. You never see a book about a theater kid who like wants to be a director. And I think that's super cool. Um, and it deals with um, some really interesting queer politics and there's just a lovely romance and like really tender family relationships and it's just a really really lovely story um so that's full disclosure by cameron garrett yeah that's a good one um my so good that one that one like i didn't put it on my list because i knew it would go on your list basically basically So my first one is uh, With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. Caddy and I reviewed this one. I think it was one of the first books that I reviewed with Caddy. And uh, man, it hit so many notes for me. It's a book about a young girl who um, wants to go to culinary art school. She's an incredible cook. Uh, she also has a baby and she's navigating... Um, co-parenting uh in not in a relationship she's not in a relationship with the baby's father anymore and they're kind of learning how to be co-parents um and she's taking this cooking class and sort of developing her skills and figuring out her life path there were so many elements of the story that I really related to both from a cooking aspect from a parenting aspect from a co-parenting aspect but it's also just a really beautiful picture of family life and uh, all of the food is just incredible. This book, I mean, Elizabeth Acevedo is a poet and she writes like a poet. She describes things so richly and so beautifully. Um, and this book is just one of those lush ones you can just kind of sink into and really just <laughs> marinate in. It's so good. Um, so that's With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to read that one yet, and I very much want to. I think that's going to go to the top of my TBR list. So my next one is Pride by Ibiza Boy, um, which we we did on the show a while ago. 
but it is, so it's a uh, Pride and Prejudice retelling, and I love a good retelling in general, especially if it's doing interesting things with the story, especially specifically for some reason I like Pride and Prejudice retellings. And so this is just, it's a brilliant one. Um, the the main characters, so the, the sort of Elizabeth and Darcy, Darcy characters are um, Zuri and um, Ainsley, no, sorry, Zuri and Darius. Um, and they are so well-written, and the sister relationships are so well-written, and it's just a very fun, it's a very fun, very creative retelling of of an old story that just adds so many beautiful things to it. Um, and it's a great book. And so if you like, if you like retellings, and if you like Pride and Prejudice, you should definitely read Pride. Yeah, one of the things that I think that retelling does so well is that it maintains the class lines, which a lot of retellings don't. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really cool because it's still a commentary on class the same way Austin's is. And that is very cool. Yeah, it does. It does a really creative thing where it like it plays with some aspects of the story, but it keeps the really important things like the class commentary. So my next one is Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. I feel like this is not a surprise to anybody that this is on my list because I have raved and raved about these books. I because um, it has the sequel also, uh, Deathless Divide. I love Dread Nation. I read Dread Nation and I was just like, where has this book been my entire life? It is so good. It is. I mean... For anybody who heard our recent review of Deathless Divide, I went into great detail about how much I care about the costume historical accuracy in this. Um, <laughs> it's a really well thought out uh, speculative historical fiction, which is so damn cool to have historical speculative fiction, and I want way more of that. Um, and there are zombies, and there are queer people falling in love uh it should be no surprise that justina ireland created an incredible universe because that is like what she's been doing for like a decade um if there are any fans of there out there who got into her through her star wars fiction you know she's really good um and i imagine that working within the parameters of one universe for a long time give her a lot of ideas for her own universe um but dread nation is so good it's a uh, speculative fiction about what if there were zombies in the Civil War um, and it's uh, just it's such a romp I'm not usually into zombies and I love it it's 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 one to read that's Dread Nation by Justina Ireland mm-hmm. really really excellent world building in that book so Odd One Out by Nick Stone is um, is my next one which I mean Nick Stone in general is brilliant uh, just so brilliant, but I love Odd One Out so much. Uh, so it's a it's a book about three, essentially two best friends who have been best friends pretty much their entire lives, live next door to each other. Um, and then new girl comes to the school and sort of becomes absorbed into their friend group. And it's a really it's a really beautiful book about friendship and about navigating changes in relationships and about navigating jealousy in friendships and romantic relationships. Uh, it's also a very queer book. Um, but I think one of the things that I love so much about this book is it's just I think the writing and the structuring of it is so smart and interesting and really drives the story forward because. 
it's the book is told from the perspective of each of the three characters but instead of usually when you get an alternating perspective you often end up with like one chapter by each sort of in a sequence throughout the book whereas this one is split into thirds so the first third is narrated by one character the middle third is narrated by a second and the last third is narrated by the third character and it does really interesting things with the plot um and it's a really sort of beautiful unfolding as you get to know each of the characters better uh and it's just it's brilliant um it's a brilliant book and i love it very much Every now and then I'm really tempted to just call it and say, we're a Nick Stone fan club podcast and we also read some other books sometimes. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit true. I'm we still starstruck. <laughs> like, we met Nick Stone at Yafest like, shortly after we'd started the podcast and she is just the best. She was one of our first interviews. She's been very influential, I think, for us. Like I think mm-hmm. I think meeting Nick Stone and getting into her books and interviewing her kind of kind of nudged us mm-hmm. towards being the podcast we are, honestly. Um we owe Nick a lot. <laughs> and we love her. Yeah. And she's so cool. She's so cool. She's so great. Oh my um, god. She anyway. complimented my outfit once and I like rode that high for a week. I mean, she's um. like the most stylish person <laughs> in young adult literature, so she does her yes. makeup to match book covers. She's so cool. Um no but offense yeah, she... to any other authors, but like she's like our cool big sister. I think she's my age. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think you're very right that sort of meeting her really influenced, has influenced us. I mean, so we talk a lot on this podcast about writing towards hope, which is an idea that comes from Nick Stone, that comes from the interview that we did with her, where she talked about how that's really important to her writing process. And so it's something that we then noticed in a lot of YA. Mm -hmm. And so it's something that we think about a lot. And Um, she said she really defined it as one of the elements that sets young adult literature apart, which I think was so significant um, and and mm -hmm. absolutely true. So Nick Stone is great. My third book, which actually turned one today or yesterday, um, is I Want to Be Where You Are by Christina Forrest. Now, this is one I found pretty recently. Uh, We just reviewed it this year. And um, for me, this is a perfect book. This book has a road trip. This book has ballerinas. I said that very weirdly because I was trying to say a ballerina protagonist, but I I just ended up saying ballerinas. Uh, But it has both (laughs) those things. Um, Mm -hmm. I love dance books and dance movies and I mean I'm you know I grew up in the early 2000s there were so many dance movies and so many dance books um and there's that dynamic of I want to pursue my art but my mother doesn't want me to and there's the hate to love storyline where you find out you know at first you think she hates him and then you find out that really she's been in love with him forever and then they end up together um there's a road trip there's a dog it just you know I'm so excited and I'm so excited for her second book which is coming out which I didn't write down the name of so now I don't remember it but um I just love Christina Forrest I'm so excited to read everything that she ever writes and I want to be where you are is a really really good uh romance dance book solid classic young adult literature right there like for anybody who's just kind of like I love all this progressive um 
principled young adult literature but sometimes I want to read like a Sarah Dessen book but I would like like to be not just giving all my money to Sarah Dessen this is like where you go go to this one yeah 100% this is like if you want like a fun delightful fluffy book to read this summer I want to be where you are also the cover art is gorgeous I don't know who designed who did the illustration on the cover but I absolutely love it it's so cute uh, so my fourth one is actually one that I am currently reading, so I don't have a, a full, but I'm enjoying it a lot so far, um, which is The Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Um, and so this is a, it's like a, it's not speculative, it's, it's a sort of, it's a sci-fi fantasy dystopia situation. It's set, I don't think that the universe is supposed to be on on our earth i think it's just sort of another world entirely and there's there's some very spooky stuff going on with sort of like the dead and the living and the afterlife and there's um the the society is kind of divided into two in terms of people who have shadows and people who don't have shadows people who don't have shadows are like subjugated um and so this follows a group of girls who are working at um, working in big scare quotes um, at this place called a welcome house, which is um, they're they're basically indentured um, and and they escape and then I I'm just at the point in the book where they escape and I think they're about to have many exciting and wonderful adventures um, and make some change. Uh, so it's I'm enjoying it a lot so far. It's a it's a good audiobook too. Um, so the Good Luck Girls by Charlotte Nicole Davis. Well, that sounds exciting. Um, mm-hmm. My fourth I one. Think oh yeah, go ahead. I, was gonna, I think it's going to be another like good new series because it's definitely the first of a few. Mm-hmm. So my fourth one, I actually threw in here for Caddy, who is uh, taking a little break, but will be back with us this summer at some point, if you're wondering. Um, she just had a really, really, really busy exam period and needed a little bit mm-hmm. of time to breathe, which is something we can all understand. Uh, I threw this one in for Caddy. This is Slay by Brittany Morris, which we uh, reviewed at some point in the last year. Um It is about a teenage girl who uh, programmed an online game which became huge. And she's keeping it a secret that she programmed the game. She's also dealing with trolls on the game. And she's also just dealing with everyday uh, high school stuff. So the, the action of the book is driven when a teenager in Kansas City is murdered over a dispute in the game. And so, of course, the media goes crazy with it. And she is trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, protect the universe she's created and also be accountable and also pass her classes and also have a healthy relationship with her boyfriend. Um, it is great because it showcases a girl in STEM. It showcases a young black girl in STEM who has coded this entire game that has exploded worldwide. That is just representation we don't get often uh, or ever. Um, And it's so important to have this story told. It's also just interesting and fun and uh, has twists that you absolutely don't see coming. Um, It's definitely gripping 
Uh, it has really nice relationships, like friend relationships and sibling relationships and everything. Um, so that's Slay by Brittany Morris. Definitely worth reading. And now, is this the same Brittany Morris who has the Mermaids book coming out? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I you know, I might be misattributing this. This might be. No, I think it's a different. Let me, I, can, I can look at this real quick. I think it's a different author. I did just look it up. I think I'm thinking of a different author. Okay. No, it's Bethany Morrow. Oh, that sounds familiar. I just, they have the same, they have the same uh, initials. Initials. And so I got that confused in my brain. Um, mm-hmm. But Bethany C. Morrow has a book called A Song Below Water that's coming out that I'm really excited, or it has already come out. I need to check this. I didn't prep this in advance. I just remembered it because initials did this to me. Um, it's coming out. It came out June second, so it just came out. Ooh! And it also um, has a beautiful cover. And it's about mermaids. <laughs> I really want to read it because it's about mermaids. I also really want to read this now. Yeah, I I think we're gonna read it. I think we're gonna read mm-hmm. it on the show this summer because um I think I'm I think I'm the producer and I say so. <laughs> <laughs> um cool yeah it looks incredible thanks for listening to yeah uh remember this week to sign petitions all the petitions you can find for justice for black people murdered by the police with no inquest uh it's really important please do that if you want to do more, we'll also post a link in the description. Uh, the day that we're recording, this is going to be released in the future. Um, but the day that we're recording this is the day that would have been Breonna Taylor's 27th birthday. And there's a list of actions that have been put together uh, that you can do to seek justice for her. So we'll link that in the description as well. Um, and if you want to do more, that's a great place to start. If you are not Black, we are uh, also linking resources for anti-racism activism. Dismantling white supremacy starts with dismantling our internalized white supremacy. Um, so we have a number of resources that uh, are, are suggested by various um, activist organizations, and those are available to you. Remember, the work starts at home. The work starts inside of us. And I think another important thing that I've been thinking about a lot is that the work doesn't end when all of the media attention around this um, goes down. So this is this is work that is going to continue. So I encourage, I mean, myself and all the other um, non-Black people who are listening to this to think about how you're going to keep upholding this work in the months and years to come. There are a number of templates out there um, available for people to write to their representatives about a number of different issues considering um, concerning police power, police brutality, disarmament, abolishment. Uh, this is both in Canada and the United States. Some of our listeners are in Canada. We have exactly the same problems of racism here as are in the States, and Europe does too, even though people like to deny it, and Australia does too. Um, There is always something you can do at home if you live somewhere that colonialism touched. Um, So uh, make sure that you are doing what you can in your local government to, um, to rid our communities of the structures of power that kill and harm people. And there are uh, so many different places that you can give your money to as well. So there are bail funds. I know a lot of the bail funds have been um, like inundated with support and are asking for support to be directed elsewhere. So 
if you if you look in the websites, it tells you that sort of things. Um, Black the organization Black Lives Matter is also a great place to support, and you can also find things within your own community as well as supporting Black-owned businesses when you have things to buy. Absolutely. Order something from a Black-owned restaurant for dinner today. This episode was produced by me, Tevra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni, and both of us think you should help us all abolish the police. <laughs> I also think that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Black Lives Matter every day. Black Lives Matter not only when people are being filmed being killed by the police but black joy matters black art matters black scholarship matters black children matter um the voices are so much more than just the tiny slices we see on the media the upward network is also compiling a list of anti-racism resources those will also be available um so you can look in our show notes but i think the upward network is also going to be tweeting some things thanks for listening stay safe out there And we'll uh, Mm -hmm. we'll see you next week.